Praise the Lord. It's great to see everyone tonight. Thank you, worship team. Rihanna, Maurice, Kevin, you guys are the best. We love you guys. Thank you all for everything. Um, so tonight, we're finishing up the book of Jonah. Yay! Woohoo! It's been a great book, has it not? When you, when you study this book, it's an amazing book. If you read through it really fast, uh, you miss a lot. But as when you study it verse by verse, there's so much to pull out of it. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Stephanie's got a Bible for you. Everybody got a Bible? All right, good deal. Um, it's an amazing book. So the title of my teaching tonight, as we look at Jonah chapter 4, is uh, Learning to Trust. Learning to Trust. Now, many people take trust and faith for granted, and God does give us a measure of faith at salvation, okay? At salvation, the Holy Spirit gives you a measure of faith to trust in the Lord. But after you trusted in Christ, and you continue to grow in your walk with Him, you need to grow in your trust. You need to grow in your trust. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, which I'm going to repeat it about four or five times during this message, says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. The art of trusting in the Lord is what we are looking at tonight. You know, um, Jonah, unfortunately, is like a yo-yo. <laughs> He's up one chapter, down the next chapter. Up one chapter, down the next chapter. It kind of resembles our walk at times. You know, one day we're there, one day, one day we're our heart's there, one day our heart's not. But that's, that's the life of Jonah the prophet. And that encourages me to see the prophet Jonah uh, at times on the mountaintop of victory and then at times struggling. But chapter 1, let's do a quick recap. Jonah chapter 1, God calls Jonah, and what does Jonah do? Jonah runs, says no, runs down to Joppa, heads on a ship to Tarshish. Uh, God has him thrown overboard, a whale swallows him, uh, a sea creature swallows him. And then chapter 2, Jonah prays from the belly of the beast, the sea creature. God rescues him. Uh, Jonah chapter 3, God gives Jonah a second chance. Jonah goes to Nineveh, and what happens? Revival breaks out, and the entire city comes to know the Lord. What an amazing thing. And here in Jonah chapter 4 tonight, God is teaching Jonah the art of trusting him and understanding that God's ways are higher than man's ways. God doesn't think like us. He's not human. He's the supernatural, eternal, almighty creator of the universe. His ways are higher than our ways. Isaiah, 55, Isaiah testifies to this. In Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, where uh, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts greater than your thoughts. And I would add to that, God's thoughts and God's ways are infinitely greater than man's ways. He's that much greater, he's that much higher, he's that much more powerful but in his sovereignty, in his goodness, in his grace, in his mercy, he's chosen to reveal himself to us through the Bible 
and we praise the Lord for that. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is theonostos, is breathed out so that we can know God and get to know him. When we open the Bible, it is God speaking to us. It is his word um, speaking to us greatly and from, from the infinite to us finite creatures down here. So y'all ready to get into it? All right. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. As we look at Jonah chapter 4, Lord, teach us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. That's verse 1. He, the, the, the dude got upset. He was not happy. He was mad. What, what was it that greatly displeased Jonah? Because Jonah's mad and he's upset because the people of Nineveh, these Assyrians, uh, the, the, the um, enemies of Israel, had experienced God's grace and God's forgiveness. Sometimes we see very bad people doing very bad things, and the last thing on our mind is mercy and forgiveness. You know, in our natural minds, you know, we want judgment. And these people were the enemies uh, of Israel, and uh, Jonah did not like it that God had shown them grace. And this is what happens when we lose sight of who God is. So many times, we can be so spiritually minded in serving the Lord, then something happens that we don't like or we don't see the bigger picture and we are derailed in our thinking. Now, when there's a disagreement between God and man, who is always right? God. God is always right and we're always wrong because he, he is absolute sovereign. He's, he's absolute truth. And if there's any error, it's always on our part. But Jonah's upset. I would think in my mind, man, if God had rescued me in the depths of an ocean, in the belly of a well, I don't, I don't see how I could ever get upset ever again. I would be so thankful in life that I was rescued and redeemed from the depths of the sea, from this sea, sea creature. But Jonah is, is like us, family. He has his ups and he has his downs. And right now he's having a downtime. Let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and the one who relents concerning calamity. Now, in verse 2 of chapter 4, this reveals to us why Jonah refused to go to Nineveh in chapter 1. Why did he refuse to go to Nineveh back in chapter 1? Because he knew the scriptures and he knew God and he knew that God would forgive them. And he wasn't, that, that wasn't on his agenda. It was God's agenda, but it wasn't his agenda. It wasn't on his agenda. He knew God would show them mercy. He knew God would show them grace. Jonah was familiar, excuse me, Jonah was familiar with the scriptures. Exodus 34, 6 says, uh, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, 
the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness and truth. So he knew who God was, and he knew what God would do, and he knew God had the ability to turn their hearts to the Lord in repentance and faith. So the question, the the big question we have to ask then is why would this upset Jonah? Why would it upset Jonah? Why would would this upset him? You know, if uh, we saw a great revival today, we would rejoice. You know, if we see people coming to Christ, that makes us happy. So why does it upset Jonah? Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrians. The Assyrians were Israel's enemies. And Jonah did not want God to show mercy to the enemies of Israel. Jonah wanted judgment on Israel's enemies. It would be the same people group that would take Israel captive and take them into captivity. He did not want anything good to happen to them. He wanted Yahweh God, the, the God of Israel, he wanted their, his, his judgment to come on these people because they were the enemies of Israel. So that begs the question, the application for today. How do we treat enemies today? How do we treat people who fight against Christianity? What, how, how do we react to them? Do we break out the swords? Do we put on the boxing gloves? Do we fight them? Do we take them out like the Crusaders did back in the Middle Ages? Do we fight against them? And the answer is no, we do not. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 28, Jesus said, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. So for those people that are enemies of Christianity, Jesus gives us instructions on how to treat them. People that fight against God. Because in reality, they are people that Jesus died for. They are people that Jesus loved, but they're in rebellion and and they're enemies because they're fighting against the Lord. But what is our ammunition? It's not guns, it's not knives, it's not any other type of weaponry. It's, it's love, good works. It's uh, bless them, love them, do good, and pray fervently that God changes their heart. You know, we are not, Christians are not people of violence. You know, our, our, the only violence that we partake in is, is the heavenly uh, violence when we go to the Lord in prayer and we pray fervently for the enemies of the cross. We pray fervently for those who fight against Christianity in the hopes that they will turn to God and be saved. Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Again, if we're at odds with people, um, we are called to be peacemakers. We are called to do everything we can that will give us an opportunity to share the gospel with them, to, to 
melt the defenses and make a doorway to share truth, to share scripture, to share the Lord with them. We'll give them food, we'll give them water. And when you do those things, according to verse 22, it says you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. When you give food and you give water to your enemies and you do things to help them, you know what you're doing? You're melting the defenses. You're, you're melting the battle. They're like, oh, okay, wait a minute. This person really does care. This person really does have a genuine heart that wants to reach out to me. They're not just against me. Because in reality, we're not against them. You know, we, we, we are wanting to bring the gospel to them. We are wanting to share the gospel with them. And sometimes we have to open up those doors to share the gospel with good works, with uh, giving them food or giving them drink or, or praying for them or blessing them or whatever. But uh, so that's, that's, what's, that's what's going on here. He knew that, he knew that uh, God would forgive them. Verse 3. Verse 3 says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For death is better to me than life. This is a pretty crazy ending to his prayer. Let me just say that. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For death is better for me than life. This is pretty crazy when you consider everything Jonah, everything that happened to Jonah. That he had gotten rescued from the belly of the well. But here, um, talking about my message, uh, learning to trust, Jonah is not walking in faith. Jonah is upset, he's not walking in faith, and he's not trusting in the Lord. If anything, if you think about it, you know, uh, being upset because people got saved, getting upset because people turned to the Lord is, is, a, um, is really a bad attitude. It's a bad attitude. And Jonah here, uh, uh, just Pastor David's opinion, Jonah has a pharisaical, religious, judgmental, me attitude. He does not know the ways of God in this moment, or he's forgotten the ways of God in this moment because he's in his carnal flesh. He's in his carnal mind. And sometimes we do that as Christians. You know, we're spiritually minded one day, we're heavenly minded one day, and the next day we're, we're, we're carnal, we're in the flesh, and the, the godly thoughts we had one day are not the thoughts that we had the next day. He thinks... Uh, uh, Jonah's attitude, he thinks Israel is the only one deserving of salvation. And salvation is limited to them alone. And, and, and when you and I, or Jonah for this matter, when you get to the point where you would rather die than see someone get saved, your heart is not in the right place. And this happens even in the Christian walk when we take our eyes off of Jesus. You know, when we, we take our eyes off of what's most important, the Lord Jesus Christ, and staying focused on his word, we, get, we will get this, we'll, we'll become the same way. We'll get sideways in our faith, and, and we won't be walking in faith, and we won't be trusting, and we'll be upset at little things like this. But anyway, please take, take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. So he's in a really bad state. He's in a really bad state. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, And the Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? God addresses the real issue. 
And the real issue for Jonah is his judgmental anger that he's going through at this moment. This is a rhetorical question. And the answer is there's no good reason for Jonah to be angry. Now, I know the context of this passage, the context of this verse, he's saying, do you have any good reason to be angry? And he was angry because people, got, people were getting saved. They were his enemies. But family, last night, I spent three hours thinking on this verse. I spent three hours in my study thinking on this verse. Just, um, I, I know the context is the people getting saved, him not liking it. But I thought about this. The, the Lord said, do you have good reason to be angry? And when I thought about that verse, you know, the thing I was thinking about, I was asking myself, is there any reason for us to be angry at God? Is there any reason for us to have the iron fist towards the Lord? Because, you know, some people in life, they get angry with God. They get angry with God for all the different reasons. Is there a justifiable reason for the Christian to get angry with the Lord? Is there a justifiable reason? And this is, this is my thoughts on, on, on answering that question. Sometimes people become angry and they blame God over tragedy caused by sin. It could be a spouse committing adultery. It could be someone being killed. It could be an ugly divorce that devastates a family. It could be a life destroyed by drugs and alcohol. The list goes on and on and on of the reasons why people get upset and have a tendency, sometimes they blame God. The, the temptation comes along to become angry and blaming God for the situation. And I, as I personally know people who, barring a supernatural intervention, will never don the doors of a church because they have been told after a tragedy, well, that was God's will. And it was something really bad that happened. The picture is painted in their mind that God is sovereign over every single action in the universe, including he is completely sovereign over everything in the universe. But some people will take that to the extreme and say that he is completely sovereign over sin and evil and that he's behind the sin and evil. And family, to assign, listen to me clearly, to assign responsibility and blame God for sin and evil is false teaching. God is not the author of sin and evil. He plays no part in orchestrating or overseeing evil and wrongdoing. God does not make anybody sin, okay? God prompts no one to sin against him. People sin in the exercise of their free will. Sin, evil, and wickedness, where does it come from? It is born in the heart of sinful man and is manifested in his or her actions. Listen to what James says in James 1, 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Verse 14 tells you where the sin comes from. It says at the very end of verse 14, his own lust. 
his, his own heart. God is not the author of sin and evil. God is good, and God will always will be. If you want to be angry, and, and, and sometimes we have a right to be angry when we see evil things happen and we see tragedy. We have every right to be angry, but let's place the responsibility and the blame for the sinful actions where it rightfully belongs, and that is on the person who committed the sin and not the Lord. God is completely sovereign. He rules and reigns, and he permits evil and wrong, but all the evil and wrong in the world has an appointed day of judgment where all people will be held accountable. But he's never behind this sin. He's never telling someone to sin or leading someone to sin. That is wrong. So he's asking him in verse 4, the Lord says, do you have good reason to be angry? And the, to answer the, the question for him is no. God chose to save those people. But to answer the question, does the, does the believer ever have a right to be angry? And I would say yes, but not with the Lord. Not with the Lord. God is good, God is faithful, and God is awesome. But evil people do evil, sinful things. So let's continue. Verse 5. Then Jonah went out, then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. And there he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. This is interesting, verse 5. You know, Jonah thinks, Jonah thinks he may have changed God's mind, I guess. So what is he going to do? He's going to go park it right outside the city. As a matter of fact, he, him making a shelter in verse 5 implies that he's going to sit there and wait it out. Now, let me, let me see what happens. You know, this is not faith. This is not trust. Trusting in God says, Lord, you've got this. My faith is in you. I'm not looking at the city. I'm not looking, at, looking for what I want to happen. I'm keeping my eyes and my focus on you, Lord Jesus. And you will take care of those people. What you will do, you will do. But he here, going out here to sit outside the city, he wants to take charge and oversee the situation. And family, that can't, that's, not, that's, not the, that's not the heart of the believer. The heart of the believer says, Lord Jesus, I'm going to trust in you. God, I'm going to trust in you. And I'm going I'm to leave it up to you to bring blessing or to bring judgment or to bring whatever, they may, whatever needs to be done. Let, let's, let, let's let God be God. Let's let us be servants who serve the living God and trust him and let him take care of the big picture. Verse 6. Verse 6. So the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. I don't know about you, but if I was God, I don't, I, he, he should be very thankful because God is, is, is taking care of him. But you need to understand in the Hebrew here, this phrase, and halfway through verse 6 where it says, deliver him from his discomfort, it literally says to deliver him from his evil. Some of your the translations say that. Or deliver, deliver him from his calamity. Some of our modern translations say uh, discomfort. But this phrase has a double meaning. The Hebrew word for discomfort is, is ra. 
And the definition of Ra, according to Vine's Expository Dictionary, is, uh, is Ra is evil, wickedness, trouble, or affliction. So in our English translations, we have uh, distress. And, and there are some translations that say wickedness. So really, it's, it depends on how you're looking at this verse. If you're looking at it in the natural realm, he's out in the sun, he's burning up, and God's going to provide this covering to protect him. But the, the spiritual meaning to, 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 to deliver him from his discomfort is what is fixing to take place. He is fixing to uh, take him out of his wickedness and show him his wrong. To show him his wrong. So look at verse 7. He's, he's, he's going to show here, he's going to show Jonah, he's going to remind Jonah who is God and who is not God. Verse 7. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all of his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. The thing I want to point out to you is, go to the next slide, is a a, a common phrase that we see in the book of Jonah. In Jonah 1.17, it says, The Lord, what? Appointed a great fish. Jonah 4.6, God appointed a plant. Jonah 4.7, God appointed a worm. Jonah 4.8, God appointed a scorching east wind. Who's in charge of the situation? God is. And this word appointed uh, was his sovereignty, was his power. To, to, to show Jonah that he was in uh, Complete control. The, the fish obeyed the Lord. The plant obeyed the Lord. The worm obeyed the Lord. The scorching east wind obeyed the Lord. But guess who didn't? Jonah. Jonah. Come on, man. Give me something to work with. But Jonah didn't. And the same can be said of us. All nature, all creation, all the universe... All the animal kingdom obey the voice of the Lord. But he has given us a choice. He has given us a decision to make. We can listen to God or we can reject God. And the wise thing for us to do is to listen to the Lord, to obey his word. God is, these phrases appointed, the Lord appointed a great fish. You know, God is in control of this universe. God is in control of this planet. He's the one that rules the oceans and the, the planets and the creatures and the jungles and, and the South Pole and the North Pole and, and every living thing. He is the one that's in charge of it. And God is showing Jonah and showing us through the study of the word. And we see these phrases of his utter control and his appointing that God is completely sovereign and God is in complete control. And because of this great truth, you and I can trust in him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, for he will direct your path. He is a firm foundation. He is the solid rock we stand on. Because he is the one, is the ruler and creator and sovereign Lord of everything. Amen? He's the one that rules. He's the one that reigns. And and, and we can trust him. 
And, you know, I think about the, I don't know about you guys, I love to fish. And there are quadrillions of sea creatures out there. And every single one of them, he directs. Every shark, every fish, every, every living organism, every particle of dust on planet Mars, he is in control of it all. He is in control of it all. That's how great and how awesome our God is. And that's why we can trust him. That's why we can give our lives to him. Let's continue. Verse 9. Verse 9 says, Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? Here we go again. And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Wow. Wow. Jonah, this is called hard-headedness. Jonah still will not let go of his anger. He, he can't shake it. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, very, it's very foolish on, on, on his part that he's stubborn. And all this goes back to his, his feelings towards the Assyrians living there, staying there at Nineveh, and the fact that they were enemies of Israel. And he did not want them to have any advantage in defeating Israel or taking over, which they, they will take over and take them into captivity. But, but Jonah is not seeing the big picture. He's not seeing the, the grand picture of what God is doing in the world in saving these people. You know, one of the reasons why God brought salvation to Nineveh was to um, rebuke Israel. Because in the land of Israel, in the land of Judah, they had prophets going throughout the land, telling the people to repent, telling the people to turn to the Lord. And what did the people of God do? What did the Israelites do? What did the people of Judah do? They, they rejected it. They rebelled. They had stubborn, stiff hearts, the prophet says. And God says, okay, my people, my chosen people, you're not going to listen to me? Watch what I do with the Assyrians and be amazed. That's the power of God. And that's the power of a faithful servant like Jonah who goes there with a message of repentance. Turn from your sin. Put your trust in Christ. Not you say trust in Christ, but put your trust in the Lord. That's the amazing thing. Verses 10 and 11, our last two verses. It says, Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow which came up overnight and perished overnight. Verse 11, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand as well as many animals? God here in verses 10 and 11, God is pointing out to Jonah his inconsistent and error-filled thinking. He says, he says in verse 10, look at it, verse 10. The Lord said to him, uh, you had compassion on the plant. But in verse 11, he says, I shouldn't have compassion on the people. So, so Jonah, you can have compassion on the plant, but I can't have compassion. You're saying I can't, Jonah, you're saying I can't have compassion on these people who are created in the image of God. You know, if the book of Jonah had ended in chapter 3, Jonah may have been considered one of the greatest prophets, but no, Jonah is like you and me. 
Praise the Lord. He's prone to error, and he's prone to bad thinking at times. And this is why, friends and family, you and I have to do a good job of of continually washing our hearts and washing our minds in the word of God. You know what? If we're not in the word, if we're not in prayer, if we're not in fellowship, we are prone to do the exact same thing. If not for the grace of God, there go you and I. We need, that's why we study the Bible. That's why we make it such an emphasis at Calvary Chapel to study the scriptures and study the word because it's the word of God and the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you that's gonna keep you on the straight and narrow path. It's the word of God and the Holy Spirit that's gonna bring healing to your life. It's the word of God and the Holy Spirit that's gonna carry you to the end. It's the Holy Spirit and the word of God that's gonna keep you faithful to Christ throughout this life. This is how you make it in life. This is how you make it to the end till you see him face to face. Be yielded to the Holy Spirit, continually filled, going back to him over and over, yielding your life to him, and then filling our hearts and minds with the scriptures. Why? Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six, so we can fulfill that verse, so that you and I can trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not on our own understandings, but in all our ways acknowledge him. And he will do what? I think I got the New King James translation memorized, but the NASB, he will, he will make your paths straight. That's how we do it. And that's what he's, he's teaching Jonah. Here in verse 11, it says, um, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand. There's two interpretations to this. Some, some commentators say this is um, 120,000 uh, referring to the children, saying the children are the ones who don't know their right hand from their left hand. That's led, that's led many scholars to believe there's between 600,000 to a million people in this city. That's the uh, translation. I, 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 that's the interpretation I lean towards. But some people interpret this just to say that this was their, uh, how far they had fallen from God, how pagan they were, how far, they, how far sin had taken them down, that there were 120,000 persons, and they were so corrupt and so immoral that they didn't know their right hand from their left hand, as well as uh, many animals talking about the, uh, the deprivation of the city and the corruption that was there. But either way, let's let God be God. Let's us be his servants. Let's love him and let's trust him with all of our hearts. And let's pray tonight. You know, people come up with objections to Christianity all the time. People face, uh, you're going to face, if you haven't already, you're going to face trials in this life. You're going to face situations that this going to be, you're going to be scratching your head. You're going to be trying to figure it out. How do I fit this tragedy in to my theology? How do I, how do, how do I reconcile my faith with something really bad happening or something tragic happen? And all I can say is this, we live in a sinful, fallen world marred by the curse, okay? Sin 
comes from the heart of sinful man, okay? And what we have to do is we have to look above this world. We have to look outside of this world, and we have to look to God, look to the Lord Jesus Christ, and put our trust in him, trust in him with all of our heart, lean not on our understandings, and all our ways acknowledge him, and he will direct our path. And understand, family, that God is good. God is good. And there are things in life that, that will make us angry. There are things that we'll, that, we'll be ups, uh, that we'll be upset with. But we cannot blame God for anything evil in this world. Okay? That comes from the fall. You know, he is good. And he offers us salvation. And he's going to hold every single evil deed, every single evil action by every single person ever committed, he's going to hold them accountable. He's going to hold them accountable. But let there be nothing that can happen in this life that will pull our hearts away from the Lord Jesus Christ or cause people um, to abandon their faith. There's no good reason because he is good, he is sovereign, he is Lord, and he is worthy of our trust. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the book of Jonah. Thank you for this awesome study that we've had in this book. And Lord, uh, I pray tonight as we finish out this book that you will teach us how to trust you more, how to walk with you more, how to trust you more. And Lord, please deepen and strengthen our faith and help us, Lord, to understand God, when, when we face situations and it's, it's difficult to understand, help us to remind us of what the prophet Isaiah said, where he says, your ways are higher than our ways. Your ways are not like our ways, Father. And help us to keep our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who died on the cross and rose from the grave and is seated right now at the right hand of the Father. To you be the glory to you be the power and our trust and our faith is in you as, as the psalmist says some may trust in horses some may trust in chariots but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God in Jesus name I pray amen and amen